0: Mr. Dustin Garrow, how are you, sir? Doing well, Matt. Just returned from Charlotte, North Carolina, and the NEI International Uranium Fuel Seminar, which we'll, I'm sure, have time to talk about. But very interesting times. I do. Interesting times. Really, let's, let's talk about the mood of the nation.
1: I think everyone's super excited. Uranium is definitely bucking the trend in terms of the equities uh, market. We've got lots of generalists and uh, funds kind of Coming to the table, trying to find out what all the fuss is about. Uh, So, yeah, very, very exciting times. Um, But, look, I'm excited about what the conversations were in the corridors um, and even on stage at Charlotte. So what can you tell
0: us? Well, first of all, the the conference, you know, over the years, I've noticed each one has its own character. And, uh, you know, this year, WNA was a significant gathering, Seven 800 participants and the the market report coming out, a lot of talk about what does it take to expand Western supplies. Uh, the NEIs tends to be a bit smaller. There were only a couple hundred participants, but it's heavily U.S. utilities, of course. So the you know, only two were in London, but virtually all of them uh, attended the Charlotte uh, conference. So again, it tends to be a bit more US-centric. And the other thing is the format. The NEI now has uh, presentations in the morning, and then the afternoon is uh, available for networking. And believe me, that was the theme. And it was literally 30-minute meetings face-to-face, and people were scurrying around to various meeting rooms and places in the lobby. And, and you know, so it was, uh, and, and mostly on the uranium side. You know, we've had the announcement of Orano uh, now investing more in enrichment. Now that'll take a little while. So there seemed to be a little less uh, focus on that. Conversion, Springfield's being uh, looked at, uh, still a question of, Converdine slant metropolis, will that be expanded? But, you know, now the, the focus, which we again start started to really see in London, is uranium. You know, looking out, you know, the restarts, they were on the panel. So it was Boss and Encore and Paladin and, you know, things that we've pretty much heard already of what they're doing. But then, well, you need more than that. And I think that's now where the focus is starting to be placed, is the next gens, the, you know, the deep yellows, uh, Bannermans, whatever. Um, can, this, can this happen in a timely manner? And, you know, what does it take to, uh, financially, uh, the, the management, the personnel, things we've talked about in the past, which is now becoming more of a reality than a theoretical discussion on, gee, can this guy or that guy meet those targets? And uh, so, it's just, so it's interesting. The, and the utilities, the other thing that I've noticed, just as an aside, but I think it's interesting. In the past, they always tried to match their requirements with the term contract volumes. So there was a, you know, I need something in year X but I'm covered up until that point. There seems to be a little less of that. In other words, what is available, and I may have to be more flexible on the contracts I consider, and I may buy a little early, you know, or, or however it might work out. So, you know, the the, the procurement strategies are are I think, evolving based on the market, you know, and again, a big part of it, again, as we've talked is due diligence, you know, on the new projects, the utilities are saying, we want to spend a bit more time understanding not just the deposit, but who, who, where, what, when, how are you going to finance, you know, so there's a lot more questions about kind of, uh, you know, the due diligence on, on new developments. Still a uh, hesitancy over the Kazakh expansion plans, you know, the 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 new big project, Budinovskoye, I think that's it, six and seven. Um, rumors are all of that production will go to Russia for the initial years. So then the other message is, you know, be ready for the Russians of the Chinese to take even bigger roles in Kazakhstan. Apparently, there's another big Chinese contract under negotiation. I mean, I have one person who's very knowledgeable of Kazakhstan say, assume any available uranium goes to one of those two programs going forward. So, I mean, it, it's the, the big guys are really moving in to the market to ensure availability. Not 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 the economics. Oh well I'm gonna have to pay a few dollars. That didn't come up in Charlotte. I mean I didn't have I had a number of utility meetings. None of them said, oh well, you know, what what would this cost? What would that cost? Although just to show kind of the diverse view, one of the fuel buyers for a smaller utility, couple reactors, said Oh, I don't think I'm going to have to pay $60 ever. There should be plenty of material. And I'm like, going, well, that might be true, but you are on your own thinking that. So again, I think it wasn't what I'd call anxiety from the fuel managers, but it was, you know, focus. Okay, now I really have to focus on where will this material come from. With the Russian situation, with Uzbekistan and Mongolia moving very close to the French, will that mostly go to the French program? I mean, so there's a lot of, as we always say, moving parts that make it a you know a significant challenge for the the fuel managers these days. So some of the utilities need material. One of them, fairly large, 2025. They've been buying spot. They've been buying midterm. And now it's like, well, we really have to look at the longer term market. And uh, But, you know, kind of they've covered up over the next maybe three years pretty well. But, you know, second half of 27 and beyond, there's growing needs. And we will see more RFPs, particularly out of the U.S., you know, so that's going to be the next. Could be before the end of the year. So I think they—they they probably the message they were being given is things need to start moving soon in order to have more uh, diversification of supply before the end of
1: the decade. So exciting. exciting! Well, I'm excited and terrified in equal measure. I'm excited as an investor because the the, the Chinese Russia Kazakh is back. Uh, situation is says, well, that's all going to go east. I'm now looking to the Western public limited companies uh, and thinking, well, who here can take advantage um, of that? So, despite us sort of moving from a buyer's market slowly, inevitably towards a seller's market, there are sellers and there are sellers. And it comes back to your point on due diligence: who can and who can't. Who's going to talk a good game? Who's actually going to deliver? So the utility, uh, the buyers of the utilities, what exactly are they looking for? They're not going to rely on the company saying, "Oh, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. We'll get there." What? What? How do they assess something like that? How do they before they sign a term contract? What do they look?
0: Well, I think that you know, first of all, they don't have the capabilities in house to really do it. Now, you know, a couple of decades ago. Florida Power and Light, they had geologists in their fuel group. Same with Arizona Public Service and a number of them, but that's all gone away when they moved away from investing in uh, uranium exploration or production. So I think that they will probably call in some outside expertise and, you know, well, here are the kinds of questions you need to ask. Here's the kind of information you need, you know, rather than oh, okay, you know, we'll we'll sign a contract. So, so it could take a little while. The restarts, as we've talked, that phase was a bit different. These are projects that had been built and operated, and then put on care and maintenance. So, you know, you kind of have a better feel for what you may be con- who you're contracting with. But again, the new developments, they're looking, it came up on every meeting, security of supply and diversification. You know, they're really back on that kind of a focus. So, you know, they've got to be comfortable. Now, as you say, as the market is transitioning more to a seller's environment, you may not be able to take too long doing that. You're not going to take a year to evaluate you know, four or five development projects because the market could change that quickly. I think, you know, you may be aware the Koreans are out. It's become public information for over a million pounds a year starting in 2026. And historically, they've liked to dictate virtually all the terms. And then if you took exception, you were eliminated. So, I mean, they took a very hardline buyer approach. Now they're saying, well, You know, we really don't want to see floors above 58 was the number, nor ceilings above 90. So that collar that, you know, we've seen being moved up is now kind of the the top number I'm hearing uh, offers with triple digits. So, So again, the market is really in the transition. And again, if you're, we've talked about it, if you're a supplier, how much do you buy off on now? Do you say oh well I want to commit 80% of my first 5 five year whatever it is or you go well wait a minute you know 2 3 months from now that 62 dollars which I think is doesn't represent a lot of material could be 75 so I think it's a uh, it's a tricky period for everybody both on the buy and sell side. so for, for for sure. And I guess what I'm trying to get into is the, is the buying
1: psychology here because it's it's kind of like um, airline uh, carriers. You know, they sell 20% more seats than they've got because they know there's going to be a bunch of no-shows, right? Yep. And they kind of get it, you know, are there, best. And it kind of feels like utility bars will be doing the same thing because if they're not able to properly assess a company's ability to kind of get into production in the timeframes that they say. The restarts are one thing, right? Because even restarts right. are problems. You know, there will be project. I'm aware of one, it's been high graded. There's the the ore that is purported to be there ain't there. You know, there were another project, there's technical issues which perhaps have not been discussed. Are there. So the restarts are not as simple as just switch it on and it'll work. It'll There will be issues with grade, there'll be issues with cost, et cetera, et cetera. The new Developers, you know, you mentioned a few, a few the banners of this world. You know, it, it ain't all smooth sailing. It will have a few hiccups along the way, and it will have a few delays along the way. But it, it will it will get there. So, utility bars need to factor that, and and they're going to need to over purchase in a way or over commit with term sheets. So, not all companies getting term sheets signed, which will help obviously fundraising, necessarily will. Um, be able to deliver. And I think that's my concern, and so as an investor, I'm looking, right, who do I bet in? I need to feel confident about the management team, I need to feel confident about the asset, I need to feel confident about the timing and the economics. Clearly, utilities must be thinking the same way. Is it? Would that be true?
0: Oh, absolutely. And and the question is, as you pointed out earlier, is where, what's the source of their information to make that final decision? And I think you know they are. They're going to look at the management. Have they done it before? Where Where is the project located? What about the regulatory environment? You know, are we going to have geopolitical risks? You know, uh, what I heard on Niger. You know, one producer is saying, "Yeah, things are still moving ahead. Oh, kind of okay." And we're and another one said, "It's the country's quote shut down, and nothing's going on." So. You know, it's really kind of hard to assess that, but, but there's a concept the utilities have used for years called total evaluated cost. And they look not only at the economics, in other words, well, we've got some price forecasts or we've got a defined price or whatever, but they try to look at the risk profile. I mean, 30 years ago, I was doing consulting for some utilities on that. In other words, they could run the economics. That's not, but it's well. What are the what are the risks if we sign with this guy? And I'll tell you, one of it was a Chinese source from a Japanese trading company, and boy, they eliminated them early days back then. So you know, it, it's it's kind of all of that put together. But you're right. Um, the other thing is flexibility. You know, for years and years, you'd give twenty. Fifteen to twenty percent annual quantity flexibilities. Well, now it's down to zero to five. So the utility may have to overcommit just to have some upside uh, tonnage available. Because we've got enrichment tails; those are going up. That means more feed material. It's just so many moving parts. So what they will have to do reluctantly is, as you say. Likely overcommit or buy more inventory, or you know, so it's going to be a different world, I think, for the utility buyers. So, 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 again, the market utility. get back to the psychology buying
1: buying psychology, right, where it's a seller's market or moving towards a seller's market more and more every day because it feels like the utility buyers are thinking. It's not a question of how much I got to pay anymore, which was the big deal the last two, three, four years. I don't want to pay a dollar more than I need to. It was clever. I right? kind of thought, well, these are actuarial type decisions. Right now, that's out the window. It feels much more emotional. case okay, So not a question of how much I pay. It's, can I get it? You're looking at all this, this inventory moving off to the East and not a lot of producers, the, the Camecos of this world, not, you know, it's, it's big, but it does get close to touching the edge when it looks at the U.S. supply or uh, demand. So therefore, where is it coming from? So will I be able to get my hands on it? So that buying frenzy type behavior then changes perhaps the economics somewhat. I mean, and again, how quickly does that move? Are there any clues from the last cycle about how that 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 buying mentality changed overnight? Or is this a, just a new paradigm we're in at the moment?
0: Well, Matt, as we've uh, discussed, what I'm trying to do is not be walking backwards into the future. That, oh, well, what happened in the last cycle? What happened when the last price run up? You could kind of forget all that because what we're now moving into is an environment, and again, UX gave a presentation about their inventory study that the mobile, still a big number, but the mobile inventory is pretty minimal. So there won't be some big source of inventory coming in to then moderate the, for the spot market in particular or the near term. So, you know, the utilities that may have been doing uh, well economically with their fuel, spot, carry trade, and Russian. The Russians historically undercut the market significantly, so that was a nice, low-cost source, and they never renegotiated, so once they signed a contract, so those are off the table, and you've got fuel groups that have grown up in that environment, and so they didn't look, and then you had the established producers, the Camecos and the the Kazakh group, uh, BHP, that could you know, participate in that lower priced market. Now, all of those have changed. So you're now just, the spot market's not where you're going to harvest cheap material, midterm markets going away, no low, you know, negative interest rates and all of that. The established producers, you know, rumors are Cameco and the Kazakhs are pretty well committed through like 26 or later. And there's more you know, contracting going on. So now you have to look at those new developments, and they haven't. When's the last time a new development came? You know, was unless I've probably Paladin. How many years ago? You no know, more than a decade. So that it, they've got no. Most of them don't have any experience. Those that have, for example, I mentioned the one U.S. utility, well-experienced guys, and they said, "Hey." we are getting out there and we're covering off. And they apparently were telling people, don't kid yourself that there is a lot of credible, moderate cost production out there. It isn't there. So, you know, put that into your evaluation. So it's it's all new territory. So I think it's going to be but but what they do is they do tend to watch the bigger guys. If Constellation, Entergy, Duke, Dominion say hey, we're now signing contracts, a lot of the other guys will go, "Oh, they must know more than I do, so I better get out there." So there tends to be that stampeding in in the various components in the fuel cycle. So we could see that, you know, once I mean, you know, how many juniors have announced new contracts there was one by Global recently, but, but that whole area, the restarts have all kind of run their course, let's put it that way, for the contracts they need to start up. So you're now looking at a different phase of the market, and it's going to be, well, don't like it, but that $68, $75, whatever the price is on that contract, I, I better grab it now. So it's, it's interesting when you start
1: modeling these things out. If you went through all the all the restarts and then the you know advanced development stories and the amount of pounds that they're talking about getting getting into uh the market, it's not gonna be enough. Okay. We need everyone to work. All of the above needs to work, you know, aim amen. But there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity for the first mover um, advantage crowd. And that can be the restart guys, that can be the advanced stage development uh, companies because they're gonna have They're going to have inventory which they can choose to sell at, I imagine, whatever price they got and will feel like. I'm I'm, I'm being facetious, but do you know what I mean? I think there's a spike which will sustain for a bit longer. Well, it's almost unfair to call it a spike. I think there'll be a sustained price rise, the likes of which were being discussed two years ago, which I think were disingenuous and a little bit of bullish chat and easily dismissed. But today... In this environment i agree with you don't look back to look forward it is a different environment right now so um i'm as an investor i'm looking at all of those restarts and seeing who i believe what i believe who can raise the, the capital move forward who can get contracts signed the same with it with the advanced developers and it kind of feels like the the, uh, the african pl- or camco plus the african play, seem to have the head start there the question I'm intrigued by is when the North American market looks around this tiny little space we call uranium development um and sees what's going on, do you think rules, regulations, red tape, and all of that environmental stuff will perhaps be simplified and sped up? It needs to, surely.
0: Well, and- I guess I've been in in the US side way too long that you know, look at the last uplift when, you know, Paladin built the two mines, there was a whole handful of small ISR guys in the U.S. that took years to get their 500,000 pound-a-year mine going because of the regulations. What I've seen is the regulators don't care particularly about your commodity. They take their marching orders from Washington, and it's still not You know, a wide open, like here we are in Colorado, the Wild West where you can just go out and, you know, get things moving. Oh, no. You get bogged down in every little regulation and permit and, you know, protest and all that. Will the US expand? Yes. Will it ever be 40 million pounds like it was? No. Uh, And there's too many little guys. Somebody's got to consolidate. You've got, you know, working with Deep Yellow, you know, we recognize there, you need to produce maybe five to 10 million pounds a year to be a a noticeable actor in the industry, um, you know, from a diversified sources and all that. If you're producing a million pounds, you're just kind of, you know, you've got all the costs, all the administration, and then you've got the regulations, and and you know the administration could change coming up and what does that do you know if it's Trump again Trump 2.0 maybe a little less on the regulatory side but it's temporary so i think that you know the miners here certainly and the oil and gas guys know any change could be temporary it's just like the us now the government putting funding into the fuel cycle well How long does that last? You know, the the new Speaker of the House, he's like death on budgets and we're not going to pay for this and we don't want that. And, you know, so you go, well, can you really bank on that? And that is why you're saying the need for the long-term contracts. That came up again in Charlotte, that as we look forward, that it won't be, as we would say, build it and they will come. No too much history, too many changes in the market. The customers have to make those commitments, then the supply chain will respond. And that was a message 18 months ago in Montreal at the World Nuclear Fuel Market meeting, it was probably the hardest initial hit on that. And, and they're sticking to it. I mean, it's, we're not going to speculatively invest in this industry. No way. But you see that
1: power shift from buyer to seller in the sense that I remember like two years ago, we were talking about, wow, no. we need 50, 50. Well, Pre-COVID, we need 50 bucks. That was the line. Maybe 55. Then COVID comes along and it obviously changes the economics because of the inflation and, 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 and so forth and shutdowns because of COVID, et cetera. So a whole bunch of new costs associated with that. And you you think, well, what's the new number? And then it's it's just increased the whole time. It's gone, you know, up to sixty five, well, maybe seventy five. Oh, the reality is somewhat n- nearer eighty. And you go, I wonder how much of that was out of the the dread of actually trying to get uh, something in, well, funded, built, and into production <laughs> yeah. in that environment, because that's a big capital. Uh, and, and and value disruptive destruct- and dis- destructive phase of any mining company, whatever the commodity. Does. And what was just a little bit of, I just don't know um, where where I'm going to be able to sell this into. I don't actually know how to maybe even get this thing into production. In some cases, like I can tell you. Um, so, but now now it feels like it's, Well, actually, I tell you what, I'm feeling a little bit confident here. Even if I could go right now. I don't want it i don't care anymore that they know my fixed costs i don't care that they know my asic my um my all-in sustain my, my not my wallet all-in i don't care anymore because they need me more than i need them at this moment in time i feel that we're i'm close to actually being able, being able to get another twenty bucks on my contract, so I'm going to just bide my time. Is a little bit of that. It kind of feels like there's a bit of poker going on.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing too is you mentioned the COVID effect and all that for cost inflation. Keep in mind, on the supply side, we had the Russian invasion, so that then put, as you know, a bigger, a brighter spotlight on the West, uh, which has a smaller supply base. But don't forget the demand side let's say pre-COVID, we weren't looking at tripling nuclear, we weren't looking at SMRs, now they've been around, but it was, oh yeah, you know, 2035 maybe. So there's been a groundswell of fundamental change on the demand side. And I do know, or I sense that there are those that are still in the, the school of thought, show me. You know, you're talking about doubling nuclear, Show me. Show me the order. Show me the demand. Show me the SMRs, blah, blah, blah. Well, then that leads you to a different outlook on the, the fuel side. If you go, well, wait a minute, we now have the WNA. We have the International Energy Agency. We have the International Atomic Energy a- Agency all saying, okay, net zero carbon, guys. We're, we're, this is what it takes. You know, the IEA just came out with their latest and they're saying you've got to more than double the current nuclear by 2050 if you have any chance of addressing the net zero carbon goals. And the other thing are the governments, you know, that are, it's not the days of Georgia power saying we want to build two reactors are gone. It's no, the government, you know, the government in the UK and China, Russia, Emirates, Saudi Arabia, they're the ones that are pushing nuclear now. The change in Korea. So, I mean, it's not just, you know, kind of cost inflation on the supply side. It's this huge increase in demand. Look at what's going on in Eastern Europe. Okay, so we had the big chemical ukraine deal, the Bulgarian deal. The word is the checks were just out for 4 million pounds a year starting next year. Okay, so you've got that factor. But you're right. If you're a, a new developer, how, how do you want to place your material? Do you want to go out and get that maybe covers your cost $65 contract? Or you go, no. My stakeholders... As you know, Cameco has correctly said, have done the long march, they've put up with all of the stuff, and they deserve to get a very nice return on that commitment. So, yeah, some of the utilities are still, well, your costs are this. And now the other thing is you mentioned all-in sustaining cost. The industry is casting about for that common denominator, and they're talking all in sustaining cost. Well, you know, my my side story is you're dealing with nuclear engineers. And if I'm a nuclear engineer, somebody sits down and says, my all-in sustaining cost is 32. Well, you know, I'm not an actuary or a financial officer, but all-in sustaining cost sounds like all-in. But then you go, no, 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 it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that, we got to add this and that really I need 70 well okay wait a minute that's what I've been kind of warning the utilities don't get too enamored everybody's now publishing all in sustaining cost don't think you're going to get that with a you know 10% profit margin that isn't going to work so the other thing is 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 Matt they don't understand the cost structure also in the industry because they haven't had to so you know It's Again, it's a learning process. It's all new. It's like I call it the clean whiteboard. If you're at a utility and you go, okay, we've got those plants out there running. How do we make sure there's fuel? Yeah. Very simple. Yes, it's it's, it's very simple. I I agree with you. That's the point I'm trying to make
1: here that I think- the fact that they didn't really understand the kind of cost structures is, is kind oh. of irrelevant, but they would read a bottom line number in a report and go, Well, y- your costs are, let's say, 30 bucks. We'll give you 10, 20% on that one, but that's it. Now, I do think the power, if it yes. hasn't yet shifted, will shift to sellers who are saying, I don't care that you know that number because you need this. You can't get it. There's not enough of it. It's all gone east, So we will sell this to you at Pick a pick a number. So you're at the market. Your margins. Yes. At, look, it's it's kind of like not even at market because I think the market number will will actually get trumped. I think it will be a case of <laughs> I need it. I don't care what I pay for it for a period of time, which is more than a spike. It'll be for a period of time. I don't think it's sustainable. Okay. But I think that for a period of time, and it could be a couple of years. Um, pr- the price could remain quite high. Margins could, could be high. But because even if you look at something like recently, you think. Um, you know, Cameco basically had their they um, uh, got 20 year extensions on three of their sites. They've got Key Lake, MacArthur, Rabbit, et cetera. But you know, in the same announcement, they were quite key to say, well, look, we are gonna lower our product our production guidance because we've got some technical issues. Yeah. We've got some cost issue. Well, I think the immediate knock on of, of lower production in this case cost, but other other cost issues. So we, there's a kind of there's a there's a new environment in which we're working. Um, we as one of the biggest suppliers to the marketplace in in, in the in the west are not going to be able to be as reliable on our ability to produce the, the volumes that we did and certainly not the cost so that's going to drive things up plus because of because of the difficulties've we been through over the past you know three years we're gonna have to kind of recoup some of those losses we're going to protect ourselves against further political geopolitical um and and I, and I guess, viral um issues which which may come along and we are going to charge you more. We are going to make bigger margins. And there's not a darn thing that you can do about it. That is pretty exciting if you're an investor. It's pretty exciting if you if you know if you're one of those companies. I, I guess we'll have to see whether that actually is born born out to be true. But it kind of feels like it's definitely possible.
0: Well one of the things man we've talked about in this business there tends to be some cases an underlying uh, desire to cooperate with your customers. For example, the Kazakhs came out and said, we don't want the price to go up too significantly because it affects, you know. So, And that's fine. That's our decision. But, you know, some of the bigger long-time suppliers tend to look at it that way. In other words, we're not the business to extract the maximum value of our commodity we're in it for the long pull. We'll do, yeah, we're going to make bigger margins, but we're not going to capitalize on this market phase. So there is a big difference. And some of the smaller guys are going, hey, my shareholders are going, we want to see you get that triple digit price and and have it reflected in your profits and and in your share price. So again, on the supply side, there is a different, um, there's a, a spectrum of how the suppliers look at dealing with their customers. in London, there was a lot of talk about we need to cooperate. we need to get together. we need to get through this. Well, that to me says, don't raise your prices too much. And the utilities saying, yeah, we'll pay a bit more, but we've got to kind of have a nice, you know, a nice market environment. so so again, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I agree with you that it 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 makes it. More difficult for the sellers almost. What do you like, agree uh, to? So, <laughs>
1: well, it, 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 it maybe maybe, but I would I'd say shareholders will put a lot of pressure on companies to capture that value whilst they can. I, I suspect a few long memories in there too because oh. the utilities weren't that keen to help out when <laughs> when they were needed and they were buying bare minimum. Um, so it's got to work both ways. Um, but we 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 shall see. It's your phrase well, that I'd like to use a lot. We shall see. Yeah. That's well, for but sure. I think
0: what's important, Matt, is we've been talking about this for is seemingly Years. forever. But now I think we're we're there. We're, we're, we're the the, the yep. tent is starting to open on this yep. whole new phase of how do the utilities procure and how do they contract and how do the suppliers act. Because everybody's been kind of acting the same for decades, but we have again fundamental changes—the inventory situation and all of that. I mean, it's whole new set of ground rules, it's A
1: whole new set of ground rules, whole new set of opportunities. Oh. Uh, it's super, super, super exciting. I, I think the, the 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 news that you're telling us out of Charlotte is what we've all been waiting to hear. It feels like um, it feels like we we need to move forward um we will move forward quickly over the next coming months i think the next six months could be super super exciting um Um, so like i i i I thank you for your time today as always the kind (laughs) of insight we just can't find anywhere else um so yeah it's really really good good to catch up with you um well, look, and I, I think that's it. Was there anything we, we missed? Do you think that there's other things that we need people to know?
0: No, I think again we talked uh, probably uh, you know during Lon- London week as we call it. You no, know, the SMR demand. You know the, they are in the market. They're looking for fuel. The other thing are the Japanese. The Japanese utilities are looking for fuel, and they're not hearing a lot of positive feedback. And it's not just uranium, it's other parts of the fuel cycle. And that's the other thing, just, you know, maybe to finish off on, and we talked about it last time, is the, let's call them the nation states. Let's call it the governmental programs are looking to invest in uranium production. And it's the Russians, the Chinese, the South Koreans, the Japanese, the Indians, the Emirates, the Saudis, and the utilities in the U.S., Really hadn't been aware of that, so I was happy to bring it up when I met with them, and, and the, the reaction was, "Oh, well, they're trying to make sure they have enough uranium." I said, "Yeah, they're not doing it to make a profit; they're there to secure the pounds." And so it was like, "Oh, well, we hadn't like factored that in." So again, coming out of Charlotte, the message to the utilities was one again of increasing. Uh, factors that will affect future uranium supply. And, and I think they're now trying to, how do you internalize all that? And then you better act on it because you need to support those units. So so anyway, yeah, exciting times. I'll be, you know, middle of next year, we could see even quite a bit different market on the upside. Nobody is saying oh, there's hidden inventory or there's another Kazakhstan. They're going, no, there isn't. So what does that mean? We'll see.
1: We'll see.
0: There we go. (laughs) So, okay. We'll we'll catch you soon. Thanks very much, Dustin, as
1: usual. Anytime, Matt.